Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the interview here on the Retail Exchange Podcast. I'm Carl McKeever. In this episode of the podcast, recorded live at Retail Week Live 2021 recently, I'm joined by Box Park founder Roger Wade and London designer outlet general manager Sue Shepherd. Talk of a pandemic-induced exodus from city living has been making headlines in the media, but the neighbourhood-building power of retail and hospitality shouldn't be underestimated. Now is the time for a rethink to keep the high street and our communities healthy. In this episode, I talk to two people who know a thing or two about physical retail and have strong opinions about the importance of creating spaces where concepts and community can flourish. Together, we discuss strategies for making neighbourhoods vibrant places and the formulas to ensure that bricks and mortar retail and hospitality doesn't just survive, but thrives. Retail isn't standing in line with begging bowls in hand, but these two retail leaders are among a growing number calling on the UK government to tackle the issue of business rates head on to prevent further damage to an already fragile industry still struggling to recover from the global pandemic. So, there's lots to look forward to then on this episode of The Interview, right here on the Retail Exchange Podcast. You're listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast, and I'm delighted to introduce Roger Wade, founder of Box Park, and Sue Shepherd, general manager of the London Designer Outlet. Welcome to both of you. Good morning. Thank you. To start off with, for those that are unfamiliar with your concepts, Roger, perhaps you can start. What is Box Park? Give us a kind of the, the lift interview. I've been a 30-year retailer. I guess I built the world's first pop-up mall at Box Park, Shoreditch, out of containers. We then moved over into creating a food and drink emporium in Box Park, Croydon. And lately, we've set up a fan park in Wembley Park, where we're at a fan park for uh, Wembley Stadium. And we specialise in everything, eat, drink and play. And so how, how similar or different is what you do to, to Roger? Well, we're, we're fundamentally in, in the business of surprising and delighting customers, I suppose. But um, I run the London Designer Outlet, which is about 300,000 square feet of mixed retail and leisure. Um, and uh, and it sits at the heart, really, of the Wembley Park Estate, which is re- a mix of residential, office space, um, food and beverage, entertainment, dining, shopping, etc., and, and Roger, I guess you're celebrating a birthday this year, right? I thought you were talking about my birthday. <laughs> How do you know that? Yeah, it's our 10-year anniversary coming up of starting Box Park Shoreditch. It's, it's been a long journey. I'm definitely greyer from it. So, yeah, it's, it's 10 years, I think, coming up in the beginning of December of, of us building Box Park Shoreditch. And what's been some of the biggest milestones in that time? I think it's not so much milestones, it's some of the biggest challenges that we had. So all our, I guess, our greatest achievements have been from our biggest problems that we had. So, the chance. Yeah, so when we first started Box Park Shoreditch, I, I literally knew nothing about running a retail development. I sort of went from owning a few buy-to-lets and thinking that I'd build something, I'd just collect the rent. And then after the Olympics, I think we lost like 50% of our customers. So I suddenly realised that I had to really work at the operations and start really being a good uh, retail development operator, and that involves getting traffic, that involves uh, making sure you've got curating the right content. And then we evolved into becoming a, not a street wear or sports fashion 
uh, development, our, our next development was all about food and drink. And then when we went into the food and drink sphere, it, the next bit was leisure and events. So we're mm. constantly evolving as a business. We're never sitting still. We don't believe that there's a model that you can just roll out. We're just constantly changing. So we're fully focused now on been a, a fantastic environment to eat, drink, and play. Mm. And I, I, am I right in thinking that when Box Park first started, there was more of an emphasis and focus on on retail specific, but over time that that's evolved now, as you say, into more yeah. aspects of ho- hospitality and leisure as well. Yeah, that, that, I mean, it's you know, as an entrepreneur, that the golden rule is you know you don't want to push against water, do you? You sort of want to go to the to the to the to the place of, of least resistance. So in our case. We just noticed that it was the street food that was taking off, and so we went with that. So myself and, and Sue work very closely in Wembley Park. We've got common owners and or joint venture partners, in our case with Quintain, and there's a symbiotic relationship with us. Sue does the fabulous retail really well in the outlet centre, and it's got some of the bigger sort of hospitality units there, and we tend to focus on smaller independents in our units and, and, and some, some leisure units. So, yeah. And back when you started, the, the, the whole concept of pop-up was, in a sense, in its infancy. But I think Box Park was one of those um, uh, retail concepts that kind of almost you know, helped pop-up as, a, as an idea to really, yeah. really develop. Yeah. How do you see the role of pop-ups now? I don't. Okay. It, you know, you, you just get... You know, when we started out doing pop-ups, it was all about creating exclusive product that was ex- available for a limited amount of time. And unfortunately, the word pop-up has been just rinsed by the property industry to actually lease out a unit on a short-term basis because they can't really fill out, fill it. So there's not really that customer excitement. So we don't really use the term anymore, pop-up more. We're just focused on find, creating a fantastic environment that makes people feel special. We want to create the perfect like lunchtime experience and a perfect nighttime experience. So we don't use the word pop-up really now. So um, being part of the Wembley Park development, it's a huge, huge place. You get lots of peaks in traffic depending on what's happening locally. How do you manage that kind of almost that surge in, in, in footfall? It's, it's one of our biggest opportunities, really. I always, I always describe the, the event traffic at Wembley Park as being the kind of icing on the cake. You've got to make sure your core business is robust and strong and, and gives people a compelling reason to visit. But on an event day, Wembley Park is a... I, I personally, I think it's the most exciting place to be. It, the, the whole estate just comes alive. And uh, you come on a, on a game day or an NFL day or when, you know, Bruce Springsteen's playing at the stadium. And the, the atmosphere is fantastic. And you know that you're going to be able to serve up any number of options which will be fabulous for people, whether it's sitting down for a great lunch somewhere or going for drinks in Box Park or shopping at one of the stores in the LDO. Um, It's part of that whole mix of creating a great experience for people that has, and on an event day, will have some sort of entertainment at the heart of it. And and has um, the fact that people were prevented from mixing and gathering for so long Mm. made any kind of difference to the way that the consumers feel about those kind of experiences? Yes, I think it has. I mean, one of the things that's great about our environment is we are predominantly outdoors. We've got lots of parkland and green open spaces. And I think customers now feel more secure and more comfortable 
in the outdoors than they do, you know, really cooped up inside. So that's that's played to our benefit, I think. Mm. So some of the hesitancy that other high streets, for example, have, have, have seen from customers coming back en masse, you're not sensing that in quite the same way? No, I think, I think outlets generally tend to provide a, a hybrid between in and outdoors. Obviously, you always want to provide some kind of cover for people because this is Great Britain and the weather's not the best all the time. Um, but yeah, I think and I think you see it in the cinemas as well. I mean, I, I went to the the um, the Bond movie last week, and people were still trying to sit apart from other people. You know, the cinema was fairly full. It wasn't full, but you could see people shuffling seats so that they could leave a space next to them. Right. That yeah. would never have happened pre-COVID. So sure. there's definitely still some hesitancy about mixing and getting out there. And in this kind of environment where we are now, post-COVID, or certainly where we have um, some responses um, which seem to be working, what do you both think can be done to kind of help to repurpose traditional retail? You know, there's been lots of challenges for high streets. Many towns and city centres are, you know, finding it difficult to find their own path through. You know, what, what can be done to really spur, you know, newness and innovation and, and growth for these places around Britain? I mean, I'm really glad you're asking me the, the bigger questions. And... To be absolutely frank with you, it, it, it isn't just down to the retail offering. We can't, you know, conveniently lay this at the doorstep of apparently physical retail is responsible for its own demise. You can't actually compete with online. And definitely I've heard, heard some sort of murmurings within government that they believe that they can't rescue physical stores. I, I am seriously concerned about the state of our high streets and town centres and what will become the implications if we don't resolve those problems. So obviously the, the biggest challenge that we've got is technology and online, okay? Well, let's start with online. All we're asking for as retailers or leisure and hospitality, so in our case, it might be we're competing against Deliveroo. Of course, that's a competition because they want to deliver into the home. We want people to come out the home and have a great experience, mm -hmm. you know? And clearly Amazon is a major threat to the high street, but. We're not asking for a begging bowl. We're asking for a level playing field for our high streets and our retailers and our town centres to survive. So, for instance, if Amazon has got a warehouse in the middle of nowhere, but it's delivering to every single um, city in Britain, let's pay, let's pay the same business rates as they have. We need to replace the archaic business rate system and we need to stop having this little conversation about replacing the business rate system. And of course we, successive governments have kicked that particular can down the road yeah, and, and continue. It, we need to do something about it now. It is the moment because when you have what was probably the most successful retailer in the world at, at one stage, Topshop Oxford Circus, close their doors. When you've got every single gap in the UK, close the doors. Debenhams, House of Frasers, the list goes on. And do you see that recent announcements, so the government earlier this week yeah. made an announcement about massive um, residential building programme on brownfield sites in yeah. city centres. Do you see that that's part of the, the, the solution? No. They're, they're, they're clueless. They're absolutely clueless. Look, we need to stop talking about... Oh no, I need to go back, firstly, to retail. What can you do? Business rates, complete re-evaluation. It's not just that. Amazon is paying corporation tax. I think they announced two billion increase in sales over the last year. I think they paid equivalent of 2% corporation tax. Your average little small independent that is in Whitstable is paying 20% corporation tax. 
That clearly doesn't work. Let's avoid, let's get away from these tax avoidance schemes. That's absolutely critical. So we're just saying, let's create that level playing field so physical retail can survive. Mm. Without so, that, it won't survive. Mm. And, and, I, and I guess, Sue, you know, probably have some similar concerns, but anything you'd like to add to that? You know, what, what are some of those big strategic things that need to happen to change that will give the high street a chance for regeneration? Well, everything, I second everything that Roger's just said. This is, this is a, we are standing on a burning platform in retail at the moment. It's a scary, scary place to be, not just for independence. You know, when you see the likes of John Lewis in Watford, who closed, uh, closed their doors over a year ago now, that town centre has been completely decimated since that store moved out. And, and, you know, everybody follows because, you know, that was a big footfall driver. Yeah, I think it's the same situation in Peterborough. Yeah, exact, exactly the same. And, you know, that was a staple of the high street for, you know, it, it had been in that shopping centre for, you know, 50 years. So we've got to start taking this situation seriously. Um, building more houses on brownfield sites, that's, that's not the answer. Mm. Um, but maybe it's a controversial point, but look, retailers have also been very keen to jump onto the e-commerce bandwagon themselves too. And for some brands, certainly in the last 18 months, that's helped them enormously. Yeah. You take a company like Next, and clearly they have massively benefited from their yeah. joined up operations for e-commerce and retail and all of the distribution synergies that work between them. So yeah. can retailers have it always, I guess, is one of the questions. I don't, I don't think we're, we're sort of, we're, as I said before, we're not looking for a begging bowl. We're just looking for a level playing field. So the reality is Next has got stores up and down the country that are playing massive business rates. The reality is, is Next is paying their fair contribution towards, um, towards corporation tax. So we're just saying, give us that playing field. Going back to your point earlier about housing, okay? The government is obsessed with housing. We need to not be obsessed with housing targets. We need to be obsessed with creating homes. We need to realize that what true homes are about. True homes are about creating community. community. Community is about the fabric of the community. That's about having town centers, having uh, uh, places to eat and drink, having green spaces, having offices to work from. Not just houses, mm, mm. that's true homes. And what we face at the moment, because it's not just retail under threat, Offices are under threat, clearly, yeah. from COVID. Yeah. And we really need to think long and hard about how that affects the social fabrics of our society. Yeah, I was going it, to ask you that. Huge. Because clearly COVID has had a, a massive impact in terms of people's working patterns. You know, less of a role of the head office, less of the role of people going in en masse, you know, five days a week, as it were, and having this much more hybrid method of working. Now, clearly, there are consequences on that, on commuting, on people visiting uh, office premises. And if you actually fast-track all of that down the line, how many more big commercial developments will there be? How many more pension um, fund schemes will be prepared to back huge city centre redevelopment like projects? Like Westfield Croydon. Exactly. So I, I absolutely, Not many. I absolutely get the fact that you know, kind of, there's a whole joined-up big strategic approach here. But on the ground, what are you guys doing to try and you know encourage people back? What can you do in terms of playing your part to bring that sense of community, get people back in shopping in your stores and enjoying your restaurants and your leisure venues? You, cr you create really meaningful, memorable experiences for people. 
and you... A great night out, for example. Absolutely. That You can't replace that with an online experience, you yeah. know. I went to see Bond at the cinema because I wanted to see it in the cinema. I didn't want to stream it in four weeks' time mm. and, and sit on my sofa and watch it. Mm. So you can't replace some of those real-life experiences. You know, yeah, yeah. shopping centres... I'm not dissing shopping centres. I, I, I shop in them all the time. But what we've got at Wembley Park, for example, that Roger's part of and I'm part of, is with our landlord, Quintain, we are building a community. All our stores are on turnover-based rents. You know, we work with them as our partners so that when they do well, we do well. And for, for you, what does community mean? Let's just unpack that a bit. It means that people are, they look out for one another. Okay. You know, the Wembley Park estate, you know, ha, ha, will have a pharmacy. It's got a, it's got a hair salon. It's got a beauty salon. It's got great restaurants and bars and entertainment. It's got a theatre. Um, you know, it's got sports facilities. It's got the stadium. It's got the arena. So it's that, it's that community of offerings. Yes. But it's also somewhere that people feel safe, they feel secure, and they feel valued. And they know that there's going to be a range of things there for them to experience, either on their own or with their friends or with their family. I mean, I mean with, with us, community is just good business. You know, of course you want to have a, a thriving, great local community of office workers and residents. And of course you want them coming to your venue it's not some sort of charity bowl thing that we're doing the community is our core customer you mm. know you know but going going back to you know what what sue was just saying there i really resonate with you know 30 or 40 years ago i remember growing up as a kid and i was told that vhs was going to kill the cinema industry it didn't did mm, it no. because of those experiences yeah. and the reality is we believe in physical retail because the core elements of retail it's only about uh, content, traffic and conversion. Mm. And that physical retail can show your content better than anything online. It can create you really cost-effective traffic. And in the end, actually, it can convert 10 times better. Mm. So w we believe in it. We, we yeah. feel there's a great future. You asked earlier, what do we do that makes our customer come back? You're dead right, Sue. We, we try to create fantastic experiences. But what we do is we're able to run our centers completely so we curate it. My content I'm obsessive about. My content is the food I've got there. My content is the events I put on, the leisure that we've got, the sound and lights, the building that we create. Mm. So I'm lucky. I can curate that environment. So it's you totally know. immersive. It's immersive. But, and then I can be responsible for creating their traffic. All they have is kitchens. They don't need to worry about, you know, creating the traffic. I do all the traffic with the digital media side and hopefully I can help them with their conversion, okay? But that's not enough. When I've got a tenant upstairs saying, I can't afford the business rate, I'm going to have to close. That's the things that we need. And both me and Sue face that. Sure. You know, we're, we're, we have got guys, serious retailers that just can't make it work. And if you think there's a problem on the high streets now, Come March, when the rent enforcement moratorium ends, which is something we've warned about for the past two years, you're going to have a ten times bigger problem. So we have supply chain issues in the system at the moment. Everybody is nervous about Christmas. Uh, obviously, we uh, feel that there's a trending uh, towards uh, inflation and perhaps where the consumer is in a, a tighter position next year. How comfortable are you feeling about 2022? Uncomfortable, you know. Uh, you know, frankly, our government are burying their heads in the sand 
and not being honest with the with the, the general public. The reality is is that in the hospitality industry certainly we face a massive staff shortages and what's happening as a result when you go to your local I go to my local Pret-a-Manger in Shoreditch I spoke to the general manager uh, the other day I said you know what's going on I used to come here I used to just it used to be fantastic European staff I used to get my coffee it used to be great now there's queues out the door because you can't get the staff and they're all inexperienced and and they're saying we can't get the staff so what happens they then pinch the staff from other places so in order to retain your staff what you need to do you raise your wages sure right so this is the problem that's happening at the moment we're burying our heads in the sand the HGV worker situation is totally COVID and Brexit related. Sorry to mention the B word, but get over it, everyone. It's true. The Road Holage Association wrote to the government in June to Boris Johnson personally, including guys like uh, Eddie Stobart, and said because of COVID and Brexit, we were losing all of our EU workers and the I-35s as well, okay? So as a result of we don't have drivers because of this issue. But a problem that we face is our government is more worried about playing politics and not telling the truth than actually facing the problem. And I'm sorry if I'm annoyed about it. That's the truth. Stop burying your heads in the sand. We, we've got Brexit. Let's live with it. But let's be honest that these are the problems. We can't get the stuff. Wage inflation. The other day, Boris Johnson or, or Rishi, we become drunk on cheap labor yeah. do you know how insulting that is cheap labor no we if we have expensive labor our products become uncompetitive and we go out of business do you want a mini that's going to cost more than a rolls royce on expensive wages are you, are you balmy is anyone balmy that they won't be able to export them then you'd be lose 10,000 johns at longbridge don't buy the absolute bullshit Global, uh, the other day, Boris Johnson on TV, live, blamed the HGV drivers. Look it up, guys, on YouTube, on the global economy, i.e. European workers going back to Europe post-Brexit and post-Covid. We face a serious problem with wage inflation. So do you think that there would be an opportunity for government to bring in people like yourselves who clearly have got... Well, there's a thought. ...some real, you know, <laughs> real concerns. Wishful thinking. Real experience. No, I'm putting that, you know, very seriously. And look, you know, task forces... I've done have, it. Have been they don't listen for... unless, you, unless you play their politics. They don't want to listen. I've been on the advisory group with, with uh, Alex Sharma, the business secretary, Paul Scully, that told me personally on that group, on the task force, that he was going to come to Box Park Croydon. I invited him 10 times. He never came down. That's our, that's our minister for small business. I think I know a thing or two about how to create you know, traffic, how to revitalize high streets. I've actually done it in Shoreditch, I've done it in Wembley, I've done it in Croydon, in hard areas to trade mm -hmm. from. Would they come and see me? No, because I don't play their political game. I will do whatever I have to do to make great communities. And I, I'm more sad for the small retailer, the small restaurant who's trying to set up his business in what is one of the most difficult environments that exist at the moment. And we need to take urgent attention. It's, a, it's no different, well, of course, climate change is a much bigger issue, but the way we're walking into the climate change and sleepwalking into yeah. it and playing politics, we are sleepwalking into the deaths of our town centres and our high streets. That isn't just retail, that is our communities. When you have a woman 
that's gone into a local town centre and she's 75 years of age and suddenly she goes there, there's no community, there's no shops. Is that right? We need to do more to save them. And when they're not listening, and it's frustrating, <laughs> Sorry, Sue. I'm no, like... no, not at all. I, I think we're, we're we're all frustrated. It's it's a ver a really really difficult time. You know, we've come out of almost two years of of pandemonium, really. And you know, we had a lot of our choices taken away from us because of COVID. We couldn't shop, we couldn't eat, we couldn't socialise. You know, I didn't see my my newborn grandson for the best part of five months. It was a very very difficult time. Am I, am I as pessimistic as Roger? Um, I'm, a, I'm a glass half full girl. I think physical retail will survive, but I absolutely share Roger's concern that, that this is probably the most, I've been in retail 42 years. This is probably the most dangerous time I can ever remember. Yeah. And, and the example of the 75 year old lady who wants to wander down her village high street and, and see people that she knows and be in a familiar environment and have an offer in front of her that, that she feels relates to her, that all comes down to relationships. Fundamentally, this comes down to relationships. We've got to be able to build retail offerings and leisure offerings that can create a sense of community, that can offer people the opportunity to build relationships with the kids that work in the stores, with their fellow customers, fellow consumers, um, and with the people that provide the goods and services around them. Mm. But it, it, we also need to make sure that little store in that town centre can survive. Yes, yeah. And, and at the moment, what we've got now, it has been the tipping point for Amazon with COVID. In, in my street during COVID, I saw like multiple Amazon drivers every day do dropping at every single yeah. house, yeah. right? Yeah. So if, if we don't make sure that little town centre store can survive because actually the customer wants it. They want to touch and feel yes. that product yeah. by giving them the environment that we make sure that we don't overcharge them in business rates or corporation tax. Yeah. So, so Roger, won't survive. So what are you looking for? What would you like the Chancellor to offer to people like you and to broader retail businesses that can say, you know, here's something that should make a fundamental difference or that will help? It's, it's easy. A fundamental rewrite of business rates. It's an antiquated system. It's exactly. broken. It doesn't work. Um, the, the government have been told this over and over and over again. Let's, let's use this opportunity, seize the day, and, uh, and make a difference to it. And anything else? What about tax breaks for retailers that want to invest? Oh, I'm not a tax expert. Probably. <laughs> no, let's, I'm not a tax expert, but I, the other thing, as I keep on saying, is also the corporation tax side of things. I understand that you know, that Britain was so hungry to get a deal with a, a post-Brexit deal with America and America threatened back that, you know, you've got to make sure to treat our large corporations and not overtax them. Well, that's ridiculous. We need to just make sure that everyone is paying the same tax. We need to do something urgent for the high street and town centres. It, the debate is over. It so, is the dead. Re, so the regeneration funds that have been announced, the in your view, they seem not, clearly not to be they're, enough. They're, they're, they're just, you need to address the fundamental issue. I think what's the saying go? Don't, don't, you know, don't feed the the, the the population by giving them fishes. Actually, give them a fishing pole or something yeah, along yeah, that. Yeah. Let's 
I'm not asking for a begging boat, just I'm asking for a fair opportunity for our retailers, for our hospitality industry to survive against the online threat. And it isn't just Amazon, I'm just picking on Amazon, but it also is Deliveroo and the likes of them because they, thre they threaten you know, restaurants. You know, you've got dark kitchens at the moment. You know, they're in the back of in industrial areas. You know, a lot of them, I don't think I've even, well, I won't even go there, but look, you know, we need to create that level playing field, make sure that we are, high streets and our town centres thrive. We're a nation of shopkeepers. Don't throw away a great industry on a whim that you think physical retail cannot survive. Trust me, we're retailers. We can do a better job than online. Our experiences will be better. That We can show the content better. We can get great traffic. We can convert that customer. Don't throw away that history of being a great, retailer because somebody sold you a pipe dream that apparently retails dead and if you don't believe this do you know what look at some of the big funds at the moment that are investing in property i've been offered them as investments okay they're all getting rid of their property investments most of them and they're literally running away from the offices and retail now what i'm saying is it's a delicate ecosystem if you take away retail right where do the office workers go to work? If you take away the office workers, where, where does the retail, how can they survive? If you take away office workers and retail, why do I want to live in that area? Mm, sure. Um, you mentioned hybrid working earlier, and just to come back to that, and, and it's something I feel really strongly about. You know, there's, it's, it's the new buzzword, hybrid working, you know, and everybody wants to work at home, you know, two, three days a week. But I know people that have been doing that. I know people that did it right the way through COVID. I, you know, I, I worked from home all the way through COVID because I couldn't go into my place of work physically. And it's not good, it's not good for your no. mental health. No. You know, and this whole thing about people's wellness and well-being, that's where community is so important. Sure. And I think some things that also that people have recognised is, is, yes, there are some days where I, it's beneficial for me to work from home and it's nice to be able to, you know, organise some aspects of my life around my work. Yeah. But also the intrusion of work into your domestic space yeah. is, is not always welcome. And yeah. actually, whether it was the commute or the fact that you actually gathered with people in office to brainstorm or do things together... Yeah actually created some very necessary boundaries between home life yeah. and work life and that's where they found the balance. Yeah, well I always find this concept of an online community really odd because for me a community is about touch and feel and look and see and smell and it, you know I, I you find it hard them? to communicate with somebody that I've never met. Yeah. Or trolls you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was having the same conversation actually the other day with another colleague and uh, somebody who um, provides online training. And she was actually saying that, you know, kind of the, the, what you miss in all of this screen to screen interaction is empathy, mm. is that, yeah. that the nuances of yeah. humanity, the behaviours. Yeah. And exactly. I said, look, you know, frankly, one of the biggest hallmarks, my takeouts from, from mm. the way you used to do training mm. was the way that you physically engage mm. with, the, with the delegates yeah. and the trainees. Yeah. It's been a fascinating conversation and I wish we could talk much more it's actually been one of the most in, in, engaging conversations that we've had and I can really get a sense of your passion here which is terrific and that's what this is all about it's been my absolute pleasure to have you both as guests so I'd like to thank Sue and Roger um, respectively from the Wembley Park um, <laughs> Development Agency almost thank you for your time today and thank you for your passionate views it's great 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 to hear that and uh, you've been an absolute delight to have on the Retail Exchange podcast thank, thank you Thank you very much. Thank you.
You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter, hashtag retailexchange. Thanks for listening.